However much we may develop science, it will always be insufficient to find out God, because by, by nature, God is of a different, has a completely different characteristics to those of the material, and we can't be found by any material means. There are many such evidences in the Vedic scriptures. Pantastu koti shatagatsara sampradam yovayora tapi manasa muni pundavanam so vyasti yatpavadi singya vinchintya tatveko vindavani this verse refers to the highly sophisticated material means of trying to find out the absolute truth called yoga, which is also a material means. Or it may be considered somewhat spiritual in that the goal is ostensibly spiritual. Ostensibly, no, this Well, it means it's purportedly, it's said to be. It's said to be something spiritual. The goal of yoga is supposed to be something. It's said to be spiritual. Although actually we see the yogis, they're uh, bhukti mukti siddhi kami sakali ashanti. They all have some, they have a material desire. Their desire is to have some siddhi. Or even if their goal is to understand the paramatma, that is also not completely pure. Only the desire to attain Krishna only that is completely pure. So even if someone is trying to be pure, unless they're trying to understand Krishna, then, or unless they're open to understand Krishna, they cannot be considered completely pure. We see Shukadeva Goswami, he was an impersonalist. And in he says, so I was fixed in impersonal realization. But then, Uttama Shloka Nilaya, when he heard the pastimes of, of Krishna, then he became attracted to that. So he wasn't envious of Krishna, as Krishna tells to Arjuna in Bhagavad Gita. Because you're not envious of me, therefore I'm speaking to you. And there's no point to speak to people who are envious of Krishna. You can't understand. They simply cannot understand it. They're not capable, even if they have a very big brain and a Nobel Prize and PhD and everything else that a big brain person is supposed to have. Very often they can't understand even very simple points. You'll be surprised in the Western countries. I know about nowadays things have changed now that many millions of Prophet's books have been distributed and the atmosphere has been purified. But at least in the 1970s when I was making some neophyte attempts to preach Krishna consciousness in England, then we found that even we would meet very intelligent people, especially in the London area. People, many people, they're actually very intellectual, very intelligent, but only on the material platform. And often we meet people and we try to explain to them in very, very simple, logical way. You're not the body. They couldn't understand that. They just couldn't make any impression on consciousness to how to understand. Of course, I'm the body. I felt that. This Rahugana, he also said to Jarabharat, Jarabharat instructed him that you're not the body. And Rahugana said, well, I'm sure what you're saying is very good, but it doesn't seem to make any sense to me because it really seems to me that I am the body. See, that example, if you go like this, you feel it. Who or what is feeling? If not, you're saying the soul is different from the body, but the body is not conscious and the soul is conscious. But uh, 
Consciousness, I feel, through the body, I feel. So how can you say I'm not the body? So it's uh, very difficult, uh, not uh, difficult, it's impossible for people who don't have the mercy of Krishna to understand Krishna. They simply cannot accommodate the concept of Krishna within their brain because Krishna is bigger than any brain. There's a saying of trying to keep an elephant on a, on a plate. If you try to put an elephant, you have one tummy. You want to put one elephant on it, is it possible? Krishna can do it. He shrimp the elephant. But we can't do it. An elephant, even a baby elephant, is far too big to get on a plate. So similarly, we're trying to accommodate God within our mind. This, uh, who's that rascal? What's his name? Stephen Hawkins. He wrote his, his famous book. What's that famous book? Brief History of Time. He wrote a few stupid books. It's the most famous one. So at the end of that book, he says that that, well, if we, I can't remember exactly, I just looked at the end just to see what we I didn't read the whole thing, just to see what is his conclusion. So his conclusion is that, that if we can understand how the whole universe was created, then we will have achieved the pinnacle of knowledge before we will have understood the mind of God. He thinks by science he will understand the mind of God. And then another rascal wrote another book called The Mind of God, as if to say yes. Now I'm explaining the mind. Actually, our acharyas, they are explaining. What is the mind of God? Krishna himself is stating. What is his what is his mind? If you have a love and devotion, I I like that Krishna. He's revealing his mind. What do you like? What do I like? This is my mind. Krishna also says that Sadhudam Ridayam Swaham. Naranyate. Ah. What's that verse? How does that verse begin? What's the first line? The devotees, they are in my heart and I am in their heart. I know nothing but them and they know nothing but me. This is the mind of God. And even our acharyas, they are very minutely, especially Vishwanath Chakravarti, is very minutely analyzed the words of Krishna in Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam and analyzed some, not all, he himself states it. Talking about the Vasilita Chakra, the chapter describing the Vasilita, he says that if we were to make a commentary on all the points, it would be a very huge book and most people wouldn't be able to understand it. Therefore I'm not writing. But he gave some comments that when Krishna is saying this and doing this, what he's, he's saying one thing and Actually, there are so many subtle implications. Just like when the gopis, he called them, you, very nice you came, what do you want? What do you think you say? You should go home, you should serve your husband, this is the highest duty for which is true for every woman except the gopis. So, how he was playing and tricking like this. So the acharyas, they understand the mind of God. But a uh, materialistic person cannot understand the mind of God. And some people are so materialistic that they don't accept that there is any God at all. There are various categories of materialistic people. There are some who don't even accept that there is any God. And there are some who are even worse, they accept that there is God, but they want to kill Him. Just like Yuratikashipu, he accepted Vishnu is supreme, let him come here and I'll kill him. 
So then there are others who give lip service to God. They say, yes, there is God. You believe in God. But then when you speak to them, even they'll be doing bhakti. Just like I saw some devotees in the world who were reading this Bhakta now, which is some book in Hindi, written by some Ramanandi Sadhu, describing the lives of different bhaktas of Ramanandi. I was telling them, they may seem like bhaktas, but actually they're not. But if you, any Ramanandi, you see the big tilak and the chant Ramanandi, if you speak with them, you have spoken any Ramanandi? If you speak with them, what they think the absolute truth is. They, they don't believe in God as a person. They think the ultimate truth is simply to become one with Brahma or whatever. They all have the 27 official groups. Of course, each one thinks there's one, and the other 26 are both. But there are so many groups in that Sampada. And they're all actually Mayabhans, although they appear to be devotees in the Sinvajans. Or Kabira, people think he's a great, great devotee. He's not a devotee at all, he's a complete atheist. He said that, he said that uh, well, if, the, if the, the deity is God, then I worship a big mountain. Better to worship a mountain. Because it's a big, if it's a stone, you worship a big stone. Better to worship. So he, he has no faith in the deity. He thinks the deity is simply stone. And that he's supposed to be a great devotee. But he is an atheist. So there are people who are Openly deny God, and there are others who uh, say, yes, we believe in God, but he has no form, and he has no qualities, he's not a, not a person. So they're also materialists, they don't accept Krishna. And then there are devotees who are worshipping Krishna, but actually they are doing so for fulfillment of their material desires. They also can't understand Krishna, because Krishna can be understood only by pure devotion. The Krishna says, I can be understood by devotion. That means by pure devotion only. Of course, one can begin to understand Krishna as much as he develops pure devotion. Sometimes devotees have the idea that they say, well, when you become a pure devotee, then, you know, what happens and what do you see? Simply have the idea that it just kind of happens all of a sudden. You're doing a sadhana, you're just... You're getting pure and pure and pure and pure, you get to 99%, 99.5, 99.99. One morning you wake up and you have tears flowing. Oh, you're just in Parakashan, or all of a sudden you have visions of Vindavan and collapse and faint. You're a pure devotee, you made it 100%. But it's not exactly like that. It's gradual development. Gradual development means that as the devotee develops, he gradually begins to understand Krishna. As much as we have pure desire, then uh, Krishna reveals himself to us. And the process of sadhana bhakti is for purifying our consciousness. By performing sadhana bhakti, one is gradually purified and he gradually comes to understand about Krishna. And Krishna reveals more and more as the devotee goes on, more and more serving him. And Krishna helps the devotee. Krishna says, I give the knowledge to a devotee who worships me with love. He gives the knowledge by which he can come to me. It's like the Sri Brahma, 
We were searching out what is the source of everything. Krishna helped him. He couldn't immediately see Krishna, but he was trying, and Krishna helped him. It's not that Krishna wants to reject the devotee. He doesn't reveal him. He doesn't reveal himself fully unless one is completely pure. And he reveals himself gradually. He doesn't reject the devotee. It's not that. One is not a pure devotee, he's rejected. Krishna gradually helps him to come to him. He helped Brahma to come to him by instructing him to follow the process of sadhana, which for Brahma at that time was not exactly the same sadhana as we were performing, but he was asked to perform tapasya, his meditation on himself, Krishna. So by doing so, his consciousness was purified. And then Krishna revealed himself to Brahma. So the point is demonstrated now. One cannot understand Krishna by any material means. It is not possible. Of course, we often say that Krishna cannot be understood simply by brain power, which is a fact. Even if one is a has a very brain, you may not understand anything about Krishna. And I've seen that many, many times. The people are materially very intelligent, but spiritually extraordinarily foolish. I've seen this many times. Excellent brain. Very adept in material matters. But spiritually quite foolish. Just like uh, I'm sure you were discussing something about this Stephen Covey, who is undoubtedly has some empowerment from Krishna to analyze human dealings, to see how they can run more smoothly. So he's materially extraordinarily intelligent, but spiritually he's a monk, which, if you know what that means, it's a very, very silly idea, some very silly ideas there which I won't go into detail. But uh, anyway, just to give some idea, they think that most Christians think, but they don't explicitly describe it in the detail of the Mormons do, that when you get reincarnated, because they don't say that, they say you get the same body comes back as the Christian did. There's so much, actually, Jesus taught reincarnation, maybe not as clearly as any Vedic scriptures. But he taught that, but that was rejected by later Christians because they didn't like the idea of thinking I might come back as a frog. I don't like that. So they rejected their idea. So they have the idea that you come back in the same body. The same body that's rotted and they have, that's why they, they prefer to bury it. They don't think that they, even if you bury it, they might. Of course, they're really thinking that Jesus will come very soon. But, you know, it's been 2,000 years now. There's quite a lot of rotted Christian bodies. How long does it take for the skeleton to go? It doesn't. It just stays there forever? Yeah, quite, quite a long time. Quite a long time. It's good to have a doctor person to get scientific analysis. Quite a long time, even some hundreds of thousands of years. If in the right kind of atmosphere, they preserve it like rock. 
So the idea anyway is that the body comes back together because they're very attached to their bodies. And you don't want the same person because, you know, you might not want to have a pen nose. You might want to have a better looking body. So you have the same body. And you come back and you go on with your family. And you live happily. I guess Jesus is there and he gives you tickets to a lottery or whatever else God is supposed to do. But uh, they don't think, you want to be with your family, who do you want to be with? You want to be with your kids, they will probably want to be grown up. And you want to be with your grandmother, but she doesn't want to be a grandmother. 80 years old. So anyway, they have very silly ideas. So that's an example. There's so many examples of people who may be materially very intelligent, but spiritually very foolish. They, they may be, just like people say, Kavi is pious. Because in love, okay. he's pious, more so than people who don't believe in love. But he cannot actually understand that because ultimately he's materialistic. Even most people who believe in God, they think that God's duty is to make life nice for me. They'll pray to God and he will make all arrangements. How I can live very happily and come to it's God's job. If God doesn't make life nice for me, then, you know, what's the use in believing? Just forget it, become a communist or something. So Krishna conscious actually teach this Bhagavad Bhakti is a teaching theism at a level unknown practically in the world. Practically, even the uh, worship of Lord Narayan by different Vaishnav Sangradayas, it's not really materialistic, it's not materialistic, but there's some tinge of self-desire. There, the goal is like in Sri Vaishnav Sangradaya, their goal is Vishnu Kainkarya, which means to be a personal, to attain the position of a personal servant of the Lord, which is a laudable desire. It's not, it's a kind of personal desire in as much as, well, you desire to be with the Lord. There's nothing wrong with that. That's very good to be with him and serve But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu reveals something even higher that you don't demand even to have the service, even direct darshan of the Lord, even if you can just serve him, even if you don't see him. Even naturally, devotee wants to see Krishna. But if Krishna doesn't want to show himself to me, then for his pleasure I'll, I'll not force myself. Even if you don't show yourself to me, still you are my love, still I wish you. I don't deny anything. So then, of course, Krishna doesn't deny giving himself to his devotees. But the, the motive is there, or the attitude is there, that I don't demand, I'm not demanding anything, whatever he wants. Whether he accepts me or rejects me, I simply want to serve without any personal motive. So, by that kind of devotion, one can understand Krishna. Understand means, to some extent. One cannot fully understand Krishna, because even Krishna cannot fully understand himself. We may think, well, that's a defect. It will be God, he doesn't even understand himself. We uh, criticize materialistic people, 
you don't understand yourself, you think you're the body, you don't understand you're the soul. Then you say that God also doesn't understand himself. Well, he does. He does understand himself. But his glories are always expanding. So even he doesn't come to the end of understanding. But that is no fault in his omniscience and omnipotence are not compromised by him not fully understanding himself. Because it's just like the Vishwanathagura Thakur gave the example that omniscience is not compromised by one's failing to understand a rabbit's horn. You follow the example? There's no such thing as a rabbit's horn. Rabbits don't have horns. So if you don't understand it, it doesn't mean that you are just an ignorant fool. You know what? You don't understand that a rabbit's horn? What a fool. You never heard of Coca-Cola? <laughs> Something which everyone knows of, unless you, maybe if you're living in a mountain valley in Papua New Guinea, you may not know, although it's quite possible because there was living in the jungle somewhere. Everyone knows. If you haven't heard of it, then you're, you can hardly be considered a normal person with a modern name. It's just a normal thing to see in And Buddhists would go to the But if something doesn't exist, so you can't be blamed for not knowing about it. Because when rabbit's on, doesn't exist. So, in the same way, the limit of Krishna's glories does not exist. So there's no fault on Krishna's path for not understanding because it doesn't exist. So we should, at the point here, we should understand Krishna. There's an effort to understand Krishna, but one cannot fully really understand But one should understand it when Prabhupada was asked about this, that uh, we're enjoying to understand Krishna, but then it's not possible to fully understand it. So what does that mean? So Prabhupada said, we should try to understand it as much as he explained himself in Bhagavad Gita. This much we should understand. How is that? Matakparataram nāyat kinjirasthitaram. Krishna describes so many things about himself. No one is equal to, or no one or nothing is equal to or greater than him. So many things he describes. Brahmana, Hindutishta, Aham. I'm the basis of the impersonal Brahman. So many things. Aham, Vaishana, Rupa, Parangam, Another of his forms is the Vaishana fire within the stomach that I just wrote. So one form of Krishna. He is the father of the universe. In so many ways, Krishna describes himself in Bhagavad Gita. So we should try to understand him. And then we can go more and more deeply by studying Shiva Bhagavatam, the incarnations of the Lord, by understanding Krishna, the original form of personality. But it's not exactly an intellectual. Of course, these books are replete with philosophy. It's not simply some stories. It's full of philosophy. And some intelligence is required to understand that. But which kind of intelligence? Not simply material intelligence. Purified intelligence. Krishna conscious intelligence. If one has the attitude to serve Krishna, then you can understand Krishna. If one does not have the attitude to serve Krishna, 
he can never understand Krishna. He is otherwise materially very intelligent. That's why in one sense, anyone who's chanting Hare Krishna, even if he doesn't have a basic education, is more intelligent than Einstein or any other famous intelligent person. They're more intelligent in the sense that they've understood that which is worth understanding. Just like, for instance, uh, someone may be a very brilliant scientist and he can make theories about the workings of the universe and movements and planets and so many things. But uh, if he doesn't understand very basic, I mean, from, in, in other ways he may be very unintelligent if he doesn't he doesn't eat properly, he doesn't, eat, doesn't look after his body properly. Often big, big scientists are like that. So from, in one sphere he's very intelligent, and in another sphere, looking after his basic maintenance, he's not. So in the same, in the same way, a devotee may not be very expert in literature and grammar and understanding politics and science, but he knows that which is most important to him. Knows that that knowledge, which is the knowledge of its very self, that knowledge which can actually be a benefit, just like one may be. When I was at school, there was a, in the school there was a, one of the persons working was a PhD in physics, but he was working as a lab assistant. He couldn't get any other job. Lab assistant, you know, they meet in school. They come and set up the experiments for the kids to do silly little experiments with bugs and burgers. Say little means he's, you know, he's uh, far more advanced, his knowledge is far more advanced than his couldn't benefit him, he couldn't apply that So it didn't help him. That famous story is there of the boatman and the scholar. The scholar, he was a great scholar, he was chiding the boatman. You don't know about meteorology, you don't know about ornithology, you don't know about Paleontology, maybe there was an old dinosaur floating down the number <laughs> You don't know any of these things? No, no, no. And then the storm came and the boat started to go under. And then the boatman who didn't know anything about meteorology, ornithology, paleontology, in the middle of the river, as they were, as the boat was going under, he asked the great scholar, Do you know how to swim? No. So, that knowledge is, as he goes underwater, we can talk, you know, about different species of birds and different formations of clouds and some drums. The knowledge doesn't help him. So the knowledge that can really help us is the knowledge of ourselves, who we are, who is God, what is our relationship with him. This is the most essential knowledge. And if we don't have this knowledge, then all other forms of knowledge, they may be temporarily beneficial, but they cannot ultimately help us. Temporarily beneficial means for some years, but if we have a certain kind of degree, we can use that knowledge to get a job which may help us to earn some money. But after some time, even we see now so many people, they, they've got degrees, trained as computer engineers and this and that, and already that whole field is in recession. 
Some people will. Before that, it was uh, when I first came to India. In the 70s, everyone wanted to study to become an engineer. And then I became a glut or a surplus of engineers. So it went. At the time, at the time you get an engineering degree, you get you could earn so much money. And then after some time, there were too many engineers, and then they found engineers sitting at home, gazing at the wall because there was nothing for them to do. No work. So even within this life, the knowledge that you attain may not be of any issue. I remember also at school, it's very difficult for me to get enthusiastic about studying because even the teachers themselves admitted that the moment you finish your exam. You can just forget everything because it's of no practical use whatsoever. All these things you're learning. What is the geography? Followers of Prabhupada who work so hard to get Krishna to help us. It's the duty of all the followers of Prabhupada to try to spread Krishna consciousness. So much work to do. Every time Jiva leaves his body, especially the human body, Without taking to Krishna consciousness, his whole life is spoiled. I was just hearing this morning, Kesava, of our chanting, Chaitanya Chaitanya. This is a very nice verse that Jaina Shri Narayana, Tara Janma Vittavaya, Paya Amitadhuni, Piya Visha Kautana. Janmaya Shri says that uh, anyone who takes the human form of life but they don't hear about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they don't take part in Sri Jaina Shri His life is simply useless. He's, he's taking birth as just a burden on his mind, just a waste of time. That getting the opportunity to drink the, the best nectar, instead he's going into a pot of, nectar, of poison and drinking it. So what is the use of him having money? He might as well just die. Hayyamanusha janma, jena shane goragun, kara janma, vitra. He says, putting it very succinctly, it's just your life is wasted. So we have to preach this scripture consciousness, distribute Prabhupada books. And of course, preaching there are so many things. Prabhupada especially stressed this. Well, Krishna understands himself, of course he understands himself, otherwise how can he explain himself? 
in Bhagavad Gita. He understands himself, but his glories are so unlimited that even he cannot fully describe them. He does understand himself, but then again it says that he doesn't because he's unlimited and there's no end to his glories. There's no end to his qualities, there's no end to his mercy. So it's not that he's in ignorance, he knows everything about himself also, but at the same time he doesn't. It's inconceivable. Achintya. What happens to them? What happens to them? So, Karanga isolated, Swarjaka, Jisme, Anek, Sundari, Yugati, Nilke, Isaac, Isaac's deity, Vaikun, Neja. Swarthakchasa. Indonesia or Central Asia, USSR, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Russia, Anek Muslim, Krishna Bhakti, लेकिन उसमें 
वो वो साइज है कैसे गुरु तो सृष्टि काल का नहीं है गुरु यानी बहुत नहीं विष्णु ब्रह्म महेश्वर ठीक है एक ब्रह्मांड सृष्टि काल हम देखते नहीं आदि वो लेना नहीं पड़ता विष्णु और सभी देवताओं की प्रतिनिधि साक्षात भगवान समस्त शास्त्र सभी किंतु वंदे गुरु श्री चारादी में कहते याद है कि गुरु साक्षात हरि साक्षात हरित दिन इसका मतलब साक्षात हरी की शक्ति संपन्न साक्षात हरी नहीं मतलब यदि जय जय की श्री कृष्ण अर्जुन को भगवदगी ज्ञान दिया और यदि हम सदगुरु से भगवदगीता सीखते हैं तो जैसे अर्जुन थोड़ा ज्ञान झेला श्री कृष्ण से तो हम वाई से यदि हम जैसे अर्जुन और गुरु जय से कृष्ण तो गुरु तो कृष्ण नहीं है लेकिन यदि गुरु जय से कृष्ण उपदेश दे वाई से उपदेश देते कुछ परिवर्तन नहीं करते तो हम जय से अर्जुन एक ही फॉर्म में रहेंगे तो यही आदमी तो कृष्ण आदि गुरु जगत गुरु है और अर्जुन ब्रह्मा इत्यादि शिष्यों को ज्ञान ज्ञान दिया तो गुरु कौन है जो श्री कृष्ण की प्रतिनिधि है तो जैसे कृष्ण शिक्षा दिए तो वैसे एक ही शिक्षा देते हैं तो इसलिए श्री कृष्ण से अभिन्न जैसे कृष्ण लेकिन तो गुरु तो स्वयं भगवान है गुरु तो जानते हैं कि मैं कृष्ण नहीं हूँ मगर शिष्य को गुरु तो प्रति कृष्ण समझ के अर्पण कर समर्पण करना चाहिए सब कुछ गुरु को अर्पण करना चाहिए लेकिन ऐसे अर्पण करना चाहिए कि गुरु श्री कृष्ण की प्रतिनिधि है और गुरु का हम अर्पण करते हैं तो हम मेरे गुरु उनके गुरु को अर्पण करेंगे और पवन गुरु गुरु के गुरु उनके गुरु अर्पण करेंगे और ऐसे ऐसे लाइन में तो कृष्ण का राधा प्योर राधा श्री कृष्ण का अर्पण करते हैं ऐसे गुरु नहीं है कि गुरु कृष्ण है तो वो ऐसे सोचते हैं तो मोर के हरे कृष्ण श्रीमद भागवत 